It's the Bob Cowan Podcast. It's brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook app today. Yours truly, along with uh, John Shannon. Hello, Robert. A uh, victory for the Blue Jays last night in uh, extra innings. And um, pretty good baseball game overall. Playoff style, really, when you think about it. Wouldn't you call it that? I mean, maybe this is something there's a chance we could look forward to starting, well, it would be October the 11th, I think, uh, when that uh, divisional series would start, if it's Toronto and the Yankees. There's no guarantee that it is. Uh, My question for you is, um, I know it was positive for the Jays last night, but important games and a guy starting at second base, does it bug you? Well, uh, you know, I think I, I don't think it's a problem yet. It's a problem potentially if uh, left field and second base aren't filled by the usual guys uh, when the playoffs come. Yeah. Uh, Guriel apparently is close. He uh, oh, he was he, jumping up and down quite a bit yesterday. Well, yeah, <laughs> and he was taking BP. So um, I don't know how much running he's done as yet, but um, I don't think he'll be a problem. Uh, second base, you've got options at second base at the very least. Yeah. Now, I don't know whether you like those options, but but there are options, yes? Sure. Yeah, no, no, no question. Um, you know, Espinal, uh, I was actually talking about the 10th the inning when I asked about second base, the whole thing about oh, okay. starting the runner at second base, but that's okay. Uh, your question is just as valid as important. I mean, um, Espinal has been so good and effective, uh, and now that he's on the DL, it, it you know, you got to hope a Merrifield or a, a Biggio can can fill that void, right? In in, in this scenario, well, yeah, Biggio hasn't hit well the last uh, week or so. No, um, but Merrifield has. Finally, he, finally, he's got uh, he got three home runs and uh, in, in the last few games, so he seems to be coming out of the funk. Who knows whether that that stays or not? Um, I I'm more concerned about Guerrero in spite of the game winning hit last night. He just doesn't look good at the plate at all. Uh, well, I mean, you, you do have to wonder that uh, injury aside, because I I didn't even contemplate that. The whole concept of just going for contact versus bombs to me is it, it, it it's pretty obvious, isn't it? Well, I think so. I think you're absolutely right. We haven't talked about this. No. But it looks like he's swinging for the fences every time, and he's pounding the ball into the ground over and over and over again. It's not that he isn't hitting it hard, but he's hitting it on the ground. I mean, even the game-winning hit last night was was a line drive that, you know, if it had been, you know, 10 feet to the left, um, would have been caught by the shortstop, right. you know? He, he's got to get the ball up in the air a little bit more, don't you think? I do. Uh, but, but but again, to me, it's you wonder if this is purely a conscious decision. Somebody has told him, just make contact. Don't worry about the fences. Uh, it to me that's, uh, and people are going to say I'm I'm imagining it, but that's what it looks like to me. That's what it's looked like to me all season. Well, I think he's. My observation is he's missing pitches that he didn't miss last year. Right. Um, this is a guy who didn't swing at anything outside the zone, like his father. He didn't chase. And when he when he when you threw him something that was at or near the middle of the plate, he caught he got it. Right. He might not get a hit every time, but he he was hitting the ball and hitting it pretty solidly. And he's not now. He's right. he's missing an awful lot, and I don't know why. No, I um, do. I think I think it's a good question. I really do. And I mean, l- listen, last night George Springer wasn't. Um, you know, he was. He was having a bit of trouble at the plate as well, although. But you know, the only guy that's been really consistent for the last seven or eight weeks is Bichette, right? Yeah, and uh, almost got a home run last night in yeah. the in the extra innings yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. So they're fun. Uh, Listen, it is. Uh, it's engaging. It's it's great to see the, the 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 park as full as it is in in September. You know, I mean, I think there's a long time Bob that always said is just play relevant games in September. Well. This team team is going to play relevant games this month, and uh, and certainly relevant games next month. What they need now is they need to get home field advantage. I think that's really what you're playing for. That, I mean, that's really what I've been looking at. I've been looking yeah. at, 
you know, there are three games to clinch the playoffs. I really don't care about that. I mean, this team's going to make the postseason. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. What they need to do is stay ahead of Tampa and, and Seattle and get home field advantage, yeah. which, however, would probably mean they'll play Seattle, uh, play Tampa. Correct. No, I'll be right. at home. That's, that's but- right. Uh, yeah, the nemesis right now is that, you know, the good news is you're playing at home. The bad news is you're playing the race. That's that to me. Well, would you rather play? Would you rather play Seattle? I would, but I just, I just, you know, I'm always fearful of what Tampa has done to this team over the last five or six years. Well, I am too, but that's that's what you face in all likelihood, mm-hmm. barring the unforeseen. It'll be uh, Tampa at uh, at Toronto in the postseason. Yes, sir. Uh, if things stay the way they are, uh, we've got a guy on uh, today who follows baseball, but he also follows basketball and football and hockey too. He's um, the only four-sport play-by-play announcer uh, there is. These days. Period. End of story. Kenny Albert joins us when we continue after these messages. Uh, we are back. McCowan, Shannon with you from uh, Toronto and our uh, our friend, the play-by-play voice of everything. Uh, Kenny Albert uh, joins us. All hold right, on. Ken. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Kenny, we, we have you on camera. You've got an old NHL all-star sweater over your right shoulder. What the heck is that? I'm going to get a call from the league office saying that <laughs> Kenny's using the wrong logo. Well, it's from the late 80s. I'm not sure exactly where I got it. There's no name or number on the back, but it's funny you should mention that, John. Last football season, uh, I was about to do a Zoom interview with Brian Dayball, now the head coach of the New York Giants, then the offensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills, and I had never met or spoken with Brian previously. And he signed on to the Zoom uh, from the Bills facility up in Orchard Park, and the first thing he said to me, is that a Wales or a Campbell Conference jersey? <laughs> <laughs> he was born in Welland. He was born in Welland, Ontario, sure. moved to Buffalo at a young age, grew up a big hockey fan in the Buffalo area. That was his first question. Wales or Campbell? Well, that's good. Hey, you know, we, there have been a few Canadian or Canadian citizens or Canadian coaches in the, in the NFL when you consider that Buddy Ryan coached in, in Canada for a long time and his two right. boys, uh, you, you know, the Ryan brothers. Uh, Rex and uh, Ron, what's the other brother's name? Uh, Rex and Rob. Rob. Rex and Rob. Rob was the defensive guy, right? He was the, the crazy defensive coordinator. They were, they 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 learned at the foot watching Argo games. So, and, and I remember in in speaking with them uh, back when we uh, did their games as a head coach or defensive coordinator, uh, they did bring up their days in Toronto and and playing hockey in the streets and watching Leafs games as well. Now, I'm not as schooled as you two uh, guys, but I assume the reason, Shannon, you noticed that sweater and know it was an older sweater is because the NHL goes the other direction now? Is that right? Well, there's no, the new logo, uh, there's no orange in the NHL logo anymore. It's all silver, black, and white. And they changed the logo, I want to say in 2005, after one of the work stoppages, to put the logo going the other direction because exactly. they wanted to elevate because this looks like the NHL is going downhill. Uh, and true. Trust me. That's what some of the, uh, the creative minds, oh, I believe it. Yeah. The creative minds thought about it. And this, I would shudder to think how much they paid for that redesign. Cause I could have done it too. And I didn't get a check for it. <laughs> Very perceptive. I'll have to get one of the new jerseys and put them side by side. Sweaters, well, there you Kenny. Go. Sweaters, Kenny. If you're going to talk about Canada, you got to use the word sweaters for hockey. Come on. I actually have upstairs a real, uh, not not from the 1920s or 30s. It's a replica, but it's uh, a New York American sweater, and it actually feels like feels wow. like. Oh, I bet. Hey, now I I actually thought you might be bringing that up because I think that was the same sweater. Uh, that uh, in, in the old arena that I first met you when you were like 14 or 15, I produced the 1983 All-Star Game at the Coliseum where Wayne wore that sweater or close to it um, when he scored the four goals to uh, uh, to win the uh, the MVP of the All-Star Game uh, on the, at the Coliseum. Speed out John Garrett, right? John well, that was when that's the famous joke, Lanny McDonald. Every time Wayne scored, Lanny McDonald skated back. You just lost the back left tire. You lost the fender. <laughs> the trunk's gone now. And in the end, Wayne won the car. 
Uh, I was there. That, that's a great memory. I was, uh, that was 83. So I, I had just turned 15 wow. and uh, Wayne scored the four goals. And I actually have a photo album with some pictures from that game. <laughs> well, let's get on to other things besides you two. Can't we about reminisce it. about when we had so much no, fun at, at the Coliseum? Yeah, sure. Not on this show, you can't. Oh, okay, all right. Fair enough. Uh, well, let's talk about Judge. He's in Toronto. We are here. Uh, Blue Jays beat the Yankees in extra innings last night, 3-2. But, of course, the Judge watch is on for 61. Is this a New York event, or do you think this is a national-slash-international event? Well, it is pretty big here in New York. Um, it's been on the back page of all the newspapers now for a couple of weeks. I think back to the Sosa McGuire in 98 and then Bonds, that seemed like more of a national, international event. Um, and there were obviously some ramifications that came out of those home run chases uh, you know, back a couple of decades ago. Um, I think people around the country are paying attention to it, but it's, it's really big. In New York, and I think a large part is because he's chasing, was chasing, and is now chasing former Yankees. Uh, tied Babe Ruth at 60, one behind Roger Maris. The Maris family has been traveling around, going to the games over the last week. So it, I think it's more of a New York-centric event because the other two involved are Yankees. It's the American League record. Um, it, it is pretty amazing that he's 20 home runs, at least as of, uh, last Thursday, when I worked a, a Phillies Braves game, he was 20 home runs ahead of uh, Kyle Schwarber, mm -hmm. who was in second place in all of baseball, and and the last player to win a home run title by at least 20 was Babe Ruth. So uh, it's re it really is a historical season. Uh, but he's been stuck on 60 uh, for a while now, six or seven days. My daughter actually bought tickets to a game last Thursday when he. Uh, could have hit number 61, and of course he did not, and uh, still waiting and up uh, north of the border to face the Blue Jays. But, um, you know, when you talk about Judge, uh, I had a meeting with Rob Thompson, who's the manager of the uh, Phillies last week, and uh, he was there when, when the Yankees drafted Judge. He worked in player development. He was a Yankees coach for many, many years, and he said he could tell right away initially that Judge uh, could become the next Derek Jeter, just as far as uh, the leadership abilities, uh, the personality. Uh, he was able to sense that at a young age right after they had drafted Aaron Judge. Well, so and let he, me ask you, I mean, are we discounting, or is New York discounting Bonds, Sosa, McGuire, all guys who hit more than 61? Are we just eliminating that from the equation? You know, I don't think we're eliminating it. Everybody has to make their own personal decision, I guess, on, on how you judge. Uh, no pun intended, uh, those totals. But th this is the American League record, so I think that's how most people in the media and even fans are characterizing it. I don't think uh, the majority of folks are looking at it as the new Major League Baseball record. It's the American League and the Yankees franchise record. Any doubt he's the MVP in the league? I don't think there's any doubt. Um, you know, Otani will certainly get some votes, and what he does is incredible, uh, being able to – uh, hit at the level that, that he has and pitch spectacularly as well. Um, but you also have to look at where the teams are in the standings. So judge would certainly have my vote. Do you expect judge to resign with the Yankees? That's a great question. Um, had the opportunity prior to the season, uh, decided to bet on himself. My gut feeling would be yes. Not knowing any of the particulars on the inside. I know there's a team across town, uh, and the list came out earlier today, Forbes, uh, the Mets owner, Steve Cohen, I think is number five in, in all sports. So I know that's been a little bit of an underlying storyline throughout the season here in New York. Uh, Judge grew up in Northern California, so there will certainly be some other suitors for him. He turned down, I guess it was seven years, about $214 million, decided to bet on himself, and uh, unbelievable what he's been able to do. Kenny, the, the, the Yankees as a – I mean, if, if George was alive – and I'm sure there's a few guys saying that, but if George was alive, this would not even be a doubt, would there be? I mean, but the, the, the Yankees have kind of reinvented themselves as a, a regular baseball team as opposed to the New York Yankees that will spend anything to get anyone. Right. If George were alive, probably would not be a doubt, John. Um, you know, they're, all teams now are a little more fiscally responsible, although George would probably uh, not believe what the team payrolls are these days compared to... Uh, the years prior to his passing, um, 
you think back to what what George paid for the team, right? Back in the in the early to mid nineteen seventies, uh, what what was it? Nine million dollars, I think he paid for the Yankees. I, I think it was eight eight million and a, and two million for the parkade across the street. Right, and apparently he didn't, he only put down a certain percentage of the nine million. So, uh, yeah, he would probably be a bit shocked. You have the luxury tax now to deal with, and you know, despite what you said, Bob, you know, the Yankees are still certainly up there. I, I would think in the top two or three as far as payroll, but. Uh, you're right. If George were alive, he probably would not have uh, let it get to this point. Well, you can't, and you can't discount the Dodgers under any circumstance these days. I mean, they, they go after just about everybody and judge in a Dodger uniform, especially as you mentioned, he's a California kid. He'd look pretty good for them. No, you're right. I'm sure they would, uh, would definitely mm -hmm. be in the mix as well. Hey, I, you know, th th that's interesting because when you, uh, I wonder if it's changed now that the National League is playing by the same rules as the American League. So you'll, if you sign with a National League team prior to this year, you had to play in play in the outfield to hit. Now you're a, you can be a designated hitter in the National League too. They, it might that might change the attitude. I I still think the other team in California that, I mean the Giants are. There's an expectation in San Francisco now how good the Giants are. That's a great ballpark. They have lots of money. It wouldn't be surprise me to see the Giants play that game as well, would you? Would it, Kenny? No, not at all. Uh, he grew up in the Bay Area, so that that's home. So uh, unless the Yankees make a huge push and, and re-sign him prior to uh, becoming a free agent, which is a couple of days after the World Series ends, I would think all the teams you mentioned, uh, the Giants, the Dodgers, the Mets here in New York, uh, he'll 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 probably have a lot of uh, a lot of different offers to sort through for sure. <laughs> Well, let me throw another one at you. I don't know if they're out of money now, but the Padres have, have spent big of late, and they always do they like money, Do they have any money left? I don't how, know. How about Texas? Let's bring Texas into the, the mix, too. Texas went for A-Rod, right? They, that was the biggest contract uh, at the time. So sure. well, they spent what, a boatload they, last year, too. I was going to say, well, look what they spent on, uh, on Marcus Simeon and those guys going there. Holy smokes. Well, uh, since we're on baseball – you get a chance to see quite a few of these teams. Who do you like right now? Is there somebody that jumps out to you besides the Dodgers? You know, I, I haven't worked many games this year. Uh, it's been three or four, so I haven't seen a lot of teams in person. But, uh, uh, you know, here in New York, you have the Yankees and Mets dreaming about a, a Subway Series. It's hard to believe it was 22 years ago, uh, back in 2000, when the Yankees uh, won their fourth in five years by defeating the Mets. Um, it wouldn't be surprised if, if one or both, uh, did get there. I know the Yankees have had their struggles recently. Uh, you mentioned the Dodgers, the Braves are the defending champs. Uh, you know, Cleveland's had a great year. So there are a number of teams out there and the expanded playoffs, of course, uh, new system this year where the top two in each league, uh, will get a bye and the, the, the wild card teams will all play each other. So it's the first time in, in, in baseball that we've seen that kind of setup. We, uh, we have a soft spot for the Braves because Alex Anthopoulos is another good Canadian boy, and right. he's been on the podcast a, a couple of times. You, you did their game last Thursday. Um, can you see them repeating? Do they have enough? I mean, he didn't have to make any great major surgeries like he did a year ago in order to make them uh, a contender, but uh, they're, they're still a factor, aren't they? They certainly are. Uh, a couple of their pitchers have had – Great years. Kyle Wright became the first 20-game winner. Uh, Spencer Strider reached 200 strikeouts earlier than any other pitcher as far as innings in baseball history. And, and you know, we know about their lineup from, from one through nine. Uh, you know, the key is to watch those standings over the next week. Um, we spoke to manager Brian Sticker before the game last Thursday. And, you know, finishing in first place is huge because uh, then you play the, you know, if you're one of the top two records among the first place teams, uh, you have one f less round to win. Right. So I'm not sure even baseball fans realize yet how much of a factor that will be um, to get that rest. And and if you don't, you know, then, then you have to decide which pitchers to use in that short wild card series. And uh, obviously you need to win, but then you might not have them available earlier in the next round. So there's a little bit more that goes into it this year with the playoff setup. They have, And they oh. really haven't missed Freddie Freeman like I thought they would. No, not really. Not really. You look at what some of the other guys have done and, uh, uh, you know, Freeman out there in Los Angeles hoping to uh, win a second straight World Series this year. But 
Uh, you have to give Anthopolis and Snicker credit for, for what they've been able to do and retool. And, and uh, uh, they've done a great job with development, bringing up youngsters through their system, and it's paid off for the Braves. Five straight uh, postseasons now, the World Series win last year, and certainly a shot once again this year. Well, we're getting a chance to see for the first time this new playoff format with uh, extra teams in it. Um, you do have races. There's no doubt. I think baseball probably would like to see a couple more teams in the running, um, but that hasn't materialized. Nonetheless, do you like what you've seen over the last uh, month or so since we sort of focused in on the playoff potential teams? No, I do. I think in all sports, you know, whether it was hockey when they went to the 16 team playoff, uh, basketball now the last few years expanded to the, the playing tournament. Right. Uh, we've seen it in football now last year going to the extra wild card team in each conference. Um, it just leads to more excitement for the fans because there are more teams alive down the stretch. So in the NFL, you might be, you know, eight and seven, seven and eight heading down the stretch, but you still have a great shot because there's an extra team now in both the NFC and the AFC. And uh, that's what we're seeing in baseball as well. So, um, you know, it's, it's a lot different than, uh, Back in the original six in hockey, when four out of six would make it, or even even sixteen out of twenty-one, John, during my childhood, you know, back in the late seventies, oh, yeah. when we first met, um, you know, there's a small portion of of sports fans out there that still think it's easy to make the playoffs in hockey that every team makes the playoffs, but half miss. It's sixteen out of thirty-two, and it's similar in the NBA with sixteen out of thirty. Although you have the play-in now, so more teams have an opportunity, and we'll see that in baseball as well. You, you touched on um, on the new format with talking to, to Brian uh, last Thursday in Philly. Um, Bob and I talked about in, in, the, in the first segment about how important it is for teams to get home field in that wild card. Do, do you think there's a con- do you think that the teams understand that? Or are they, you know, I mean, they're, they're, they're familiar with playing on the road so much that it's not really a factor in, in the baseball playoffs, these, these first three games? I'm not sure how much the players really think about it. Um, I, I think back to a conversation that our crew had with Sean Payton a couple of years ago down in New Orleans when uh, the NFL was heading down the stretch and they were in a battle for a playoff spot. And he told us that every season, uh, somewhere around you know late October, early November, he'll bring the whole team, 60-something players, in, into the meeting room and he'll go up to the whiteboard and he'll lay it all out because a lot of these guys don't know. They don't follow it. Um, and, and Sean would tell his team, okay, if we finish in, in first place, we're guaranteed a home playoff game. If we finish with one of the top two records in the conference, we're guaranteed a buy. Uh, if we don't finish in first place, we're battling for a wild card, and that means an extra game. And he would put up the percentages of how many wild card teams made it to the Super Bowl, how many six seeds made it to the Super Bowl. He would lay it all out there because a lot of these guys uh, might not pay attention no matter what the sport is, and they're just focusing on their job on a day-to-day basis. So as far as home field advantage, you know, we've talked about it in hockey for so many years. You fight all season to finish as high as possible and get that home ice, and then how many upsets have we seen in the first round? So uh, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's, it's fun to look back at the, the stats and the numbers and the analytics, but uh, once that first pitch is thrown in, in the wild card round, for example, uh, the visiting team uh, might have almost as good an opportunity to win as, as the home club. And Maybe. I John, John Tortorella, for one, and, and so many hockey coaches, and it's probably the same way in baseball, home field really matters in game seven. You know, Early in the series, maybe not so much. And I remember when Torch was in New York, he would, he would say that all the time in the playoffs. In game seven, that's when home ice really matters. Well, what we haven't seen, though, is a best of three with all three games in one place. No. Nope. Right. And, and that's what we're about to find out, this, uh, you know, how significant is that? And I think it might be very significant. We, we will see. That, that certainly might be more so than if it's back and forth during a longer series, for sure. Yeah. Uh, we're going to take a break. Kenny Albert's with us. We'll talk a little football when we come back after these messages. It's McCowan, it's Shannon. Kenny Albert is uh, with us, the uh, ultimate play-by-play guy. Well, well, well wait, we hey, hold the- on, hold on. Based on that, how many how many sports have you done this year? Uh, we we're we're taping this on a Monday. Uh, it's actually Tuesday. You've lost track of time. I did lose track. Sorry about that. <laughs> right, it's Tuesday. 
We're taping this on a Tuesday. Uh, three sports in the last five days, believe it or not. Um, baseball last Thursday, uh, the Phillies and Braves, and then football on Sunday in Nashville, the, the Titans and the Raiders, and uh, hockey with, with our good buddy Joe Micheletti last night, uh, Rangers preseason game against the Islanders. You know, this time of year, uh, in, in some past Octobers, I've actually worked four sports in the span of seven to 10 days um, during baseball playoffs in the past, NFL, NHL, some NBA games. Uh, right now, over the next couple of weeks, it's pretty much two, football and hockey. Oh. I'll sprinkle in some basketball after that. But uh, as we speak, yes, on a Tuesday, John and Bob, uh, it's actually been three in the last five days. Well, we've talked about this before. You've been on with us um, over the years, and I know you've been doing this for a long period of time, but um, you really don't have to do much extra now. I mean, you know what you're doing no matter what sport it is. Is that is that correct? I mean, you got you got to be ready for that game, but the fact that it's a hockey game versus a football game, how much different is that for you? Right. I love the variety, so I'm used to the bouncing back and forth as far as the mechanics of calling the game. Uh, but I still study and prep for each game the, the same as I always have. I have a checklist uh, that, I, that I go down before each and every broadcast, and it involves uh, watching the team's previous game, although I didn't have to do that for the preseason game last night. It was game number one. Uh, but doing a lot of reading and uh, uh, preparing charts and looking at statistics. Um, so I'll take you through the last the last five or six days. Uh, the baseball game is actually a late addition to the schedule. Uh, somebody else was unable to work, so I only found out four or five days before, um, but was down on the field during batting practice. We met with both managers, uh, Brian Snicker and Rob Thompson, uh, did my due diligence as far as my checklist uh, in preparing for that game. And then uh, Friday and Saturday, we met with uh, – both the Titans and Raiders, some in person, some via Zoom, uh, had our production dinner Friday night in Nashville, production meetings on Saturday, and then uh, flew home Sunday night and and went to Rangers morning skate, chatted with Gerard Gallant and uh, some of the players yesterday morning, talked to Lane Lambert before the game at MSG and uh, went on the air at 7 Eastern. So uh, to me, and I've talked about this with you guys before, um, I never feel like I'm working. There's a lot of work and travel that go into it and a lot of hours of prep, but it's, it's fun. It's fun work. And, uh, I feel real fortunate in that regard. Uh, this week preparing for Carolina, Arizona on Sunday, uh, then a preseason hockey game for Turner and Denver next Wednesday, and then the lions and Patriots the, the following mm-hmm. Sunday. So with the NHL regular season, not yet underway, it's not as uh, busy yet. Uh, this is somewhat of a light week with with the hockey game last night and then football on Sunday. But mm-hmm. I was just going over the calendar this morning. It'll get pretty hectic come mid October, really for the next six or seven months. And hold on, you found time to write a book, though. I did. I did. What? Um, you did the, it yourself? Did you ghost it? Did somebody ghost it, or you do it? I did it. I did. Did you it. do it now? Brian Burke wrote his by hand. Did you use a computer? I used a computer. I actually spoke to Brian. Yeah. I, I read his book. Um, after I started my process uh, at the uh, first round series, Rangers Penguins last year, uh, this year, this past uh, April and May, I ran into Brian in the press box a couple of times. And I, I mentioned to him that I really enjoyed his book and, and he gave me some, uh, he gave me some words of advice. So it was actually very helpful. Um, I, I had always thought about it. I have so many stories, you know, as you guys both do uh, from the last 32 years, uh, you know, dating back to those young days, calling games into a tape recorder when I was five or six years old, and then bringing it to games throughout my childhood and, uh, uh, you know, doing some Islander fill-in work uh, in college on, on the pre and post, and then a couple of radio play-by-play games uh, back in 89. And then my first job with the Baltimore Skipjacks. And Our old pal, Doug McClain. Doug McClain answered the phone. So I, I, I sent a tape in. I had heard there was an opening. And I had sent them my tape and a couple of weeks or a couple of days later, I I wanted to make sure they received it. Doug actually answered the phone in the office that day. He had been the head coach the year before and he was about to become an assistant in Washington, but uh, he was the first voice I heard when, when I, when I called down to Baltimore to make sure they received my cassette. Lucky Uh, you. (laughs) you A lot lot of stories about uh, 
you know, rooming with Barry Trotz. And I think we've talked about previously the fake arrest that he set up of me. So that's, that's prominent in the book. Joel Quenville was on our team. So I rode the bus back at the 9091 season with uh, what turned out to be the second and third winningest head coaches in NHL history. And, and, and hold on. And, and Doug McClain was on, where was he on that list? He was in Washington that year. Oh, okay. So we, we, we were the Capitals affiliate. Oh, where was he on that list? Right? Yeah. <laughs> he was in Washington. So I've accumulated all these stories about different games and, and travel tales and over 225 analysts that I worked with. So always thought about writing a book. I find myself telling the stories pretty frequently when I speak with young high school and college uh, broadcasters. Uh, really started it during the pandemic. My, my, oh. wife, my wife and kids uh, were really pushing me to do it. And I was home for about 150 straight days back in 2020, as we all were. So I started writing it then, um, sent it out to a couple of book agents, publishers, and Triumph Books out of Chicago signed on. And I really, really finished it up over the last six months. It was due September 1st. Um, it was a lot of fun. We'll see how the final product uh, turns out. The title is a mic for all seasons and the eye in mic is a microphone. Oh, good. And uh, uh, some really uh, prominent uh, former athletes who have all been partners of mine uh, agreed to take part either in the forward introduction uh, blurbs uh, on the back of the book. And uh, I guess I can, I guess I can mention a couple of names, right? Sure. Sure. So, so Wayne Gretzky, uh, Walt Major, Moose Johnston, uh, among others, uh, were so gracious in uh, uh, putting down a, a paragraph or two that I'm able to include somewhere in the book. It comes out. It's it going to be out in time for uh, Christmas. Uh, no, it's a long process of what they tell me. So it's it's about a year from now, fall of 2023. Oh, really? So between the editing and laying it oh, all I out see. and the photos, Kenny, that just means you'll have to come on again and. Plug it. So anytime. Absolutely. <laughs> now so now we I, get to talk football, right? Or, well, that's what I wanted to get to. Um, you know, you do all four sports. So baseball is 162. You got 80 plus in hockey, 80 plus in basketball. But the NFL regular season is 17. It means that each game in the NFL has that much greater importance, value to the team. Do you sense that? Is football when you do a football game, is it, does it feel more important to you? Well, it does feel like it's only one of 17. So, um, you know, I don't want to say one sport feels more important to me as a broadcaster. Because no, I understand. Sport. But, uh, no, football, when they're getting set to kick off at 1 o'clock on a Sunday, it, it does feel – it feels big. Uh, you know that millions of people are watching uh, how important the game is to both teams and their fans. I'll give you a perfect example. We had the Titans-Raiders game – Two days ago. It is Tuesday, I think. It is yeah. still. The Titans Raiders on Sunday. Both teams made the playoffs last year. They both started the season 0-2. And we put up a graphic uh, in the fourth quarter. Titans were winning the game, and, and they held on and won by two. Um, 0-2 teams since 1990 have a 25% chance of making the playoffs. Uh, well, I'm sorry, 1-2 teams. So for the winner of that game, 1-2 teams have a 25% chance. 0-3 teams, it was 2.5%. Wow. So so that game was huge. Um, now it's a little different. Now you have the one extra playoff team in each conference, so the percentages uh, will will be skewed a bit. But uh, the difference between 1-2 and 0-3 and and is huge. And every game is big. Uh, from a preparation standpoint, we might do a game in week 15 involving two teams we haven't seen all season because these are all national broadcasts. They're not right. local team broadcasts. So the preparation is probably 30 to 40 hours a week for the broadcasters, certainly not nearly as much for the other sports, hockey, basketball, baseball, because the teams play so frequently. Uh, we usually go in on a Friday and go to practice with the home team and sit down with some players and coaches afterwards. And we do the same thing with the visiting team when they get in on Saturday. So it, it certainly does have a big feel from week to week. You get a sense of in, 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 with Las Vegas that uh, I mean Josh McDaniel's been through this being a head coach before and you know he's now under uh, out from under Belichick's shadow again. How much pressure he's on with the Raiders? Well, we spoke to him the other day, and I had read a lot of articles about many of the adjustments he made uh, in Denver when he was head coach for those two years. 
he felt like he tried to do it all. Uh, wanted to be involved in, in player personnel and, and run the draft and coach the team and call the plays. And he really learned a lot from, from that experience. So uh, he's leaving uh, a lot of it up to his coordinators and the player personnel department and the general manager. They go back uh, 30 years to their, their college days. So it, it's been a process. He was 32 when he was hired by Denver. He's 46 now. Mm-hmm. Uh, went back and was an offensive coordinator in St. Louis for a year with the Rams. So uh, put in one year under his belt without Belichick, then went back to New England, won some more rings. So he's certainly a, a great football mind. Uh, his father was a legendary coach in Ohio, uh, but they're off to a tough start. Uh, week two, they had a 20 to nothing lead at halftime. That crazy game with Arizona right. turned into the biggest blown lead in, in Raiders history. They lose on the fumble in overtime. And then this week, slow start to the game. Uh, Tennessee scored touchdowns on the first three possessions. Raiders came back, had an opportunity to tie the game on a on a failed two-point conversion. And uh, the schedule doesn't get any easier. They have Denver and Kansas City these next two weeks. So um, apparently there was a meeting uh, I read somewhere with the owner, Mark Davis, after the game. And uh, there were some high expectations in Vegas this year coming off a, a run to the playoffs last year. So uh, hopefully for Josh McDaniels and his staff, they can turn it around, but uh, certainly have dug themselves a hole now at 0-3. At the other end of the standings, you got two unbeaten teams, Dolphins and the Eagles. It's rather shocking, I think, after three weeks, you only have two. But nonetheless, um, I, and I think if you'd said to somebody at the beginning of the year, there will only be two, probably very few, if any, would have said it'll be, Philadelphia, it'll be uh, Philadelphia and Miami. Which of these two has been more surprising for you? That's a good question. Uh, I probably have to go with Miami. Um, when you look at the fact that it's a, a rookie head coach, the teams that they've beaten, uh, I don't know if anybody would have expected a six touchdown game from Tua last no. week. So um, I haven't seen any of their games in person, uh, the Dolphins or the Eagles. I've read about them. I've seen highlights, but I probably have to go with the Dolphins as a little bit more surprising. Well, when you think about too, how I mean, uh, while you were doing while you were in Nashville, you probably went to Tootsie's the night before first. Went to Jack's Barbecue, which Barry Trotz was the first person to take me there about twenty years ago. Oh, really? Uh, um, so, right down the block from Tootsie's. But but I'll tell you, like like the Bills dominated. The Bills dominated everything. I mean, I think the the uh, the, the time of possession was forty one eighteen. I mean, it was ridiculous, and and uh, and then they had the Tagliavola controversy about coming back from a concussion issue. And I mean, Miami won the game, but they won every <laughs> Buffalo won everything else. The other the other team, and you did their game, and maybe it's because they were the the topic of hard knocks this year. But I I really enjoyed what Dan Campbell's doing in Detroit, and you did their game, I think, a couple of weeks ago, Kenny. And Dan Campbell appears to be one of the fascinating new characters in the national football league. He sure is. And before I get to Dan Campbell, let me get back to that Dolphins Bills game for a minute. You have key connections, both teams, right? Uh, Chris Greer, general manager in, in Miami with the sure. Mike Greer's brother, their dad, Bobby Greer was in football for a long, long time. And I don't know if you knew this, but Sean McDermott, the Bills head coach, his brother used to sell tickets for the Capitals. Is that right? Uh, no kidding. He had some hockey connections on both sides. Uh, Dan Campbell, uh, I watched watched Hard Knocks all five leading up to the game last week. Um, it's it's a it's a quality coaching staff. There are a number of ex players that he's brought in, and uh, I think that's been a key part of of what they've been able to build with the culture there. Um, I know they had a tough loss after. Uh, well, he the- made he ad- he admitted he made a mistake, right? He admitted he made a mistake. He should have gone for, for the uh, the fourth down gamble and tried to kick a fifty four yard field goal, and then the Vikings went down and. Scored off the field goal. So is that what he said? Yeah. And yeah. I love Kevin O'Connell, the new Vikings coach. He did some broadcasting and was part of an NFL broadcast boot camp that I was involved in years ago. So he has a bright future ahead. Uh, but yeah, Dan Campbell, um, he actually played with my partner, Jonathan Vilma, in New Orleans. So oh. uh, they've known each other. Uh, Campbell was uh, a Bill Parcells disciple, played in Miami when, when Bill was in the front office. And then went to New Orleans as a coach, learned under Sean Payton. Uh, so he's had some great experiences, some terrific mentors in, in Bill Parcells, Sean Payton, and some others. Um, and yeah, the Hard Knocks was uh, it was a fun watch. Uh, we got their game last week. 
Uh, they took a big lead over the Washington Commanders in the first half, and then Washington came back in the second half, but couldn't pull it out. But I'll tell you what, it was it was loud in, in, in Ford Field last week. It was a great atmosphere. I've done a lot of games there through the years, many of them during the down years of the Lions, where they didn't have a lot of success. But it was, it was fun in that building. Uh, the fans uh, were disappointed by the loss to the Eagles the week before, week one. They had sold out the game. And then the, the week two game uh, that I worked against Washington, it was a, a terrific atmosphere. So uh, hoping that Dan Campbell and his club have some success uh, just in case we get back there later in the season. We'll actually see them uh, in New England in two weeks. We have the Lions-Patriots game. Uh, before we let you go, you mentioned the Rangers earlier on. You've done um, their first preseason game. This was a very good team last year, a team that came up in the standings and became a a Stanley Cup contender with a great young goaltender. Uh, what do you expect from them this year? More of the same? Well, the expectations are a lot higher now after they uh, reached the conference final and took a 2 0 lead over Tampa. Uh, I think the expectations are high. You know, this is a team that, um, you know, went through what they called the build, not a rebuild. You know, that's over. When you look at their roster, this is a legitimate Stanley Cup contender in my mind. There are a lot of great teams out there in both the East and the West. But when you look at the season Shesterkin had, um, will he match those numbers? You know, the Rangers certainly hope so. But he had a, you know, a year for the ages last year when you look sure at did. against average and his save percentage. Uh, the top five on defense from one to five, I think, are as good as anybody in the league with with Adam Fox, who was a Norris Trophy winner two years ago, paired with Ryan Lindgren. Then you have Jacob Truba. Keandre Miller is going to be a superstar. Um, I know last night was only a preseason game. He was he was probably the best player on the ice. Um, and then Braden Schneider, who came up as a rookie last year, uh, did a terrific job on the third pair. And when you look up front between you know, Kreider, Zibanejad, Panarin, they bring in Trocek, uh, the kid line outstanding in the playoffs with Kako, Lafreniere, and Heedle. Uh, you add Sammy Blake coming back from an injury. Uh, Vitaly Kravtsov, the former first-round picker, went back home to Russia last year. He's back, played well last night. Um, and then the, the guys, you know, on the third, fourth line, you know, whether it's Ryan Reeves, uh, Barkley Goodrow, uh, Ryan Carpenter, mm -hmm. Dryden Hunt, it, it's just a, a solid upper echelon team. Um uh, uh, Brandon Othman, who you guys uh, you know are well aware of, of what he did last year in Flint, number one star last night. He had a couple wow. of assists in the first period. Uh, you know, we'll see. Uh, you know, there's probably a, a chance he makes the team this year, right? Depending on what they see in, in preseason, but if not, uh, certainly next year. But he he got off to a great start in the game last night, so uh, it's a fun team to watch. And and I think yes, they're a legitimate cup contender. Did it surprise you that Jacob Kruber was named captain? did not only because of everything I've heard from yeah. people within the organization. Uh, they hadn't had a captain since McDonough was traded in 2018. They went with a leadership group of six last year with some, um, you know, terrific leaders, whether, whether it's Kreider, Zibanejad, uh, Goodrow, some of the others. But from everything I've heard from inside the organization, you know, the, the folks who were in the locker room, in the meeting rooms, um, they say this was the perfect choice. I know some, portion of the fan base thought it should have been Kreider. Uh, Chris Kreider has come out and said Jay Krub is the perfect captain. Uh, but from what I've heard, and we talked about this, Joe and I talked about it on the broadcast last night, uh, when a newcomer joins the team, whether it was Goodrow last year or Trocek this year, uh, Jacob Trub is the first guy to reach out and take them around the city. And uh, he took took some, some of his teammates to, uh, I think, a Harry Styles concert. Uh, a week or two ago at MSG. Um, he apparently was a big voice uh, in the room when they were down 3-1 to Pittsburgh. Uh, he called a team meeting at the hotel and was a, you know, the, the players and coaches point to that moment as a, a, a one of the big reasons for their comeback. So uh, in, in speaking with people I trust within the organization, they all feel like he was the right choice. Well, it's a very good hockey team. We know that much. And um, if you're, if you're looking around at, somebody unusual that might contend for the Stanley Cup, you're always going to look at the last year's champion. You're probably going to look at Tampa because of their their history. So, you know, Colorado, Tampa, yeah, they probably will be around there. But the New York Rangers are going to be there too, I think. And, and I don't you know, know about, think, about, think about you guys. After how close they were to being eliminated. Down 3-1 to Pittsburgh. Sure. 
uh, down 3-2 to Carolina, uh, wind up winning a game seven on the road and then winning the first two against Tampa. So, uh, you know, if, if one little thing goes the other way, they lose to Pittsburgh in five. And, and how ironic, Louis Domingue is now a member of the New York Rangers who, who played so well uh, <laughs> in that playoff series after uh, eating the, 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 the pork and the spicy pork and fried rice before the second overtime in game one. And he comes in and he's the winning goaltender in a triple overtime thriller. I was going to say the only reason he got the job is he complimented the catering at Madison Square Garden. That's uh, <laughs> apparently that that uh, that that came from an outside source. Oh, oh is that <laughs> they might have to add it. They might have to add it to the concession stands at MSG this year. They have they have Yaro Halak as well. Uh, they sure. signed Halak. They signed Deming. So we'll see how that plays out. By the way, if you guys probably didn't see it, but a great interview last night uh, during the first intermission. Joe Micheletti interviewed his former teammate in Edmonton, Steve Carlson. Wow. Yeah. Oh, really? Wow. Uh, one of the Hanson brothers. One of the Hanson brothers. Steve was in the building, uh, battled cancer a couple of years ago. He's doing right. very well. It was an emotional interview with, with Joe and Steve, but I would recommend checking it out. I went Real. back and, 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 and uh, the 1978-79 Oilers, you had Glenn Sather behind the bench. Wayne Gretzky was the leading scorer. Joe Micheletti was the leading scorer among defensemen. And Steve Carlson scored 18 goals. Wow. Holy cow. Hey, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll give you guys one more. Sure. Yep. On this date, as we speak, 50 years ago today was the first ever Rangers Islanders game. It was a preseason game at Nassau. And the first goal, first ever goal scored in a Rangers Islander game 50 years ago today, Glenn Sather. Holy smokes. That's a good one. I'm, I'm going to go. I'm, I'm going to send him a note and congratulate him. Speaking of the Islanders, quick before we before we let you go, Kenny, you surprised that Lou didn't do more. I mean, there there's a lot of pressure there now with a new coach in Lane Lambert. Right. Uh, it sounds like a lot of the fan base and media were surprised uh, that he didn't do a little bit more, but he did trade for Romanoff, and I know they have high hopes uh, for him coming over from Montreal. The Islanders had such a weird season last year. They they reached the final four, obviously, the previous two years. And then last year, first 13 games on the road, uh, so many of their players were hit with COVID and, and things just uh, fell by the wayside. But in reading the comments from, from Lou and the coaching staff and the players, they feel like this core group uh, can get back to the level that they played at during those previous two seasons when they reached uh, the Eastern Conference final and took Tampa Bay to, to a seventh game. One nothing. I was, I was down there working the game. It, it, you know, if, if it goes the other way, uh, it's the Islanders in the Stanley Cup final, mm. and uh, it was two straight years uh, against Tampa Bay. And then last year they fall short. They missed the playoffs, but uh, they feel that they have a you know the core group still intact uh, with with guys like Barzell, Nelson, Lee up front, uh, Pelic, Pollock, Dobson, and now adding Romanoff, and and they have a terrific goaltender as well and Ilya Sorokin so we'll see how it all plays out but uh you're absolutely right in within the New York media and the Islanders fan base they were a little surprised that maybe he didn't make another move or two right uh listen um you're very you're very generous with your time we've taken uh, almost 45 minutes of it and I'm surprised you don't have a game to go to you probably do um, <laughs> okay <game> tonight <laughs> Well, listen. Uh, we'll 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 keep in touch, and uh, we thank you as always for your uh, your time. You're very generous with it, and uh, all the best. Thanks, pal. Well, John, Bob, uh, always enjoy it. Thanks for having me on. Look forward to doing it again, and uh, we will. Exciting, exciting to get the NHL season started uh, with TNT. We have the Stanley Cup final this year, so along with fantastic Eddie Jones, uh, can't wait for that. Looking forward to you and Eddie back uh, sooner than later. They, you guys do a hell of a job. Starts up next Wednesday. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. That's Kenny Albert. We'll take the break. Come back with more after these messages. Uh, we are back. Uh, our thanks to uh, Kenny Albert, the busiest man in sports. You know, there was a time, Bob, uh, and that there were five or six guys that used to do every sport. You know, when you think about the Kurt Gowdies of the world in the United States, Dick Enberg in the United States, uh, tons of guys in Canada, you know, Don Whitman, Don Chevrier. Uh, they all did yeah. everything. They all did everything. I, I remember I, I, I did a playoff series one year, 1986, with Don Whitman as our play-by-play -play guy. And we had games on Tuesday and Thursday, uh, one in Calgary and the next one in Edmonton. Uh, and on the off day, Don was hosting a lottery show in Winnipeg. 
A lottery show? A lottery show. The West used to call the Western Lottery. You wouldn't see it here in Ontario, but the Western Lottery. So Don would did the game with us, got up first thing in the morning, and he said, John, I got to go do the lottery show. And I said, Don, the only way you're going to do the lottery show is you have to come back and bring us ribs from Ray and Jerry's in Winnipeg. So, <laughs> so Seriously, we, he did? He brought us about seven or eight racks of ribs from this great rib joint in, in downtown Winnipeg, Ray and Jerry's. And so we, we were happy with him again, and then he could come back and do Thursday show. Only you would blackmail a guy. Well, from Ray and Jerry's ribs, I would, for sure. When he's, try- when he's trying to make a few bucks, that's all. <laughs> oh, Don never made just a few bucks, trust me. <laughs> well, whatever. Um, real quickly, you know, we were talking about, I made mention of the fact that you only got two undefeated teams. That's really shocking to me, that there are only two unbeaten teams wow. in the NFL after week three. And you know neither of them, I, I would, I would have bet against either of them. You know what that speaks to that awful word you hate. Oh, I know. <laughs> speaks to parody, but, uh, but overall though, I mean, the, the two quarterbacks, Tagliviola and, and Jalen Hurts, Hurts has been spectacular there in Philadelphia. He well, has played so well. And I, I know, get it, woof. but there, but you know, did anybody think either of these two teams would be at the top of the standings at any point during the season? No. Not yet. No, no, no they're there. And, and with all the, and Kenny touched about it, all the controversy that went on in Miami last year and the firing the coach and the accusations of tanking, uh, you never thought that they would do what they've done, but they have been really impressive in winning their first three games as have, have the Eagles. And the other thing, Bob, and I touched on this last week, the NFL just has, you know, anything they do touch it turns to gold. There's always a good game. There's always excitement. That Raider St. Louis uh, Raider Cardinal game was wild. It was spectacular. That's Not what the St. NFL Louis. does. It's Arizona. I know. I was doing a U. So yeah, that's very much a me. Yeah. Okay. Um. Anyway, uh, our thanks again to Kenny Albert for uh, joining us. We'll take uh, the rest of the day off. Good idea and come back with something else tomorrow. We hope you'll join us for that. For John Shannon, Bob McCowan. See ya.